Good morning and welcome to the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. My name is Reverend Jason Warren Griffiths. I'm glad you're here. And uh, this is communion service. So those of you listening at home, it's May 2nd, 2021. And those of you here, it's still May 2nd, 2021. But there's going to be communion service. So I'm just letting the, the uh, podcast listeners that know at home to have your elements ready. And uh, I'd like to say welcome. Glad you're here. I wish, it's kind of nice being down here. And now I'm going to be right in Sean's film crew. Look at this. And just uh, just for a heads up, this isn't being posted. This is just, he's been practicing video editing and doing all kinds of stuff. And I I kind of want to give him a honk. Everybody give him a honk if you got it. A little tappy tap. Yeah. Sean, thank you for just doing it. I like you, man. I'm glad. Sorry I called you John for a year. And then I uh, figured out your name's Sean. That's Jason for you. That sums how ridiculous I am in one story. Okay, so it's communion service. We had a women's retreat yesterday. I heard once my wife gets involved, it's things get, all bets are off. Things are about to get crazy up in here. But uh, I heard it was really good, and the spirit was alive and well, and a lot of stuff was learned. And yeah. A lot of people were like, why did we pay you, Jay? Uh, anyway, but that's a different story. Um, also, this Tuesday, the jam at PCC begins. May the 4th be with you. And we're going to start in the choir room. We're going to try it out the first time in the choir room, see how that works. Uh, but we might move around. So gather around uh, the choir room. And if you go to the choir room a little late and we're not there, it's because we're trying to find someplace better. We're just trying to see who shows up, what the space is going to be like, that kind of thing. And then also, you see in here, uh, I just wanted to draw your attention and read, read it later. There's a handout uh, about this blue envelope. Make sure everyone here reads this little flyer about this little envelope. Simply because um, part of our call here to this outpost is to be good stewards of this location and these grounds. And I'm going to just braid that in with, we had five people on our buildings and grounds team going into COVID. Now we have two. And so now the, the need is great. And we're not talking about you being here at six in the morning every day or, you know, like I, I, you're not going to be mowing lawns. You're not going to be doing any of that stuff. Just it's a simple fact. Many hands make light lifting, right? If we got a bunch of people that are willing and able to show up and let groups in and make sure they feel welcome, um, it makes it easier for everybody. So prayerfully consider getting a part of being a part of the buildings and grounds team, everybody, and just being a small role. Maybe you do once a month. You welcome and introduce a, an, uh, an Al-Anon meeting here or something like that. Just And everybody online too. Like uh, if you're listening to the podcast and you don't live in Woodby Island, because I know Glenn listens to this, and I know some Muskegon people. You guys are off the hook on this one. But everybody else, prayerfully consider being a part of the Buildings and Grounds team. Um, what else do we got? That's the news of the church, right? And then I'll call us to worship. How about please stand for this call to worship, if you're able. You're the reason for my praise. It comes from you and goes to you. I will keep my promise to praise you before all who fear you among the congregation of your people. Let all the poor and broken eat until satisfied. Bring Yahweh praise and you will find him. May your hearts overflow with life forever. Let's worship the Lord, singing How Great Thou Art. And I think we have a couple notes from our worship leader, Cornell. Give him a honk, too. <laughs> okay, we have three verses today. And um, every verse has its own pitch. So get ready for the third one. And you could yell it as loud as you can in your cars and uh, elsewhere. We have a lot of room to yell in here.
Good morning. It is my pleasure today to announce that this year we will be bringing back Vacation Bible School. Um, I know. I know. I couldn't be any more excited. Last year we had to cancel um, and we tried to maybe offer a virtual, but it just wasn't going to be anything that these kids could really um, thrive from. So this year we will be hosting a three-day Vacation Bible School, July 14th through the 16th um, from 5 to 8 p.m., and it'll just be, um, just for social distancing and stuff like that, it's just going to be held um, and for our current attending students. Um, so that way we can keep numbers down and be able to provide for them. Um, we hope to, in the future, obviously, reopen it back up to the community. Um, and maybe by this fall, if things are all well, host our annual trunk or treat um, in the way that we're used to. But um, we will be opening up signups next Sunday if you feel called or led to volunteer this program. We are in need of crew leaders um, and station leader helpers um, in our craft area especially. So uh, I will have those signups for you next Sunday. So take this week to pray about it. And if you feel, again, called or led, um, please sign your name and we will be in contact um, I will go ahead and close the children's message in prayer, and then we'll be off to Sunday school. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, and we thank you for the opportunity again to just open up our programs to our children and to just continue to share your gospel and your word and your love, Father. Um, be with us in today's lesson, and um, just give our children uh, everything that they need to be um, just excited about this program, Father, and to be present with us and you. We pray this all in your precious name. Amen. Again, at this time, children and youth are dismissed. The proof of God's amazing love is this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And because we have faith in him, we dare to approach the throne of God in confidence. Together, let us confess our sins against God and neighbor. O oh Lord, our God, you call us to proclaim the gospel, but we remain silent in the presence of evil. You call us to be reconciled to you and one another, but we are content to live in separation. You call us to seek the good of all, but we fail to resist the powers of oppression. You call us to fight pretensions and injustice, but we sit idly by, endangering the lives of people far and near. Forgive us, O Lord. Reconcile us to you by the power of your Spirit, and give us the courage and strength to be reconciled to others. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone. The new life has begun. Believe the good news of the gospel that in Christ Jesus we are forgiven. Yeah. 
stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength we bow down and worship him now how great how awesome is he together we sing everyone sing the Lord, God Almighty, the earth is filled with His glory, holy is the Lord, God Almighty, the earth is filled with His glory, the earth is filled with His glory. How wide, how deep. 
love for me Thank you, Jeff and the band. And um, Danny's on a movie shoot. That's what honk for Danny or uh, honk for uh, Jeff and the band. Thank you. Right? Gosh, that was really good. That's so good. To just how how wide, how deep is the love of God for each and every one of us? And that kind of like goes right into what I'm preaching about. I've been. We're in a series called um, on first, uh, first, second, and third John, the Epistles of John. And I was texting back and forth with a friend of mine, and um, he's he's preaching. It's a lectionary text, also, and he's out in uh, Milwaukee. And we were just texting back and forth about um, how it's both of ours first time preaching through these epistles and it's difficult and I was saying um, I think it's difficult I haven't really studied them very much I've studied most of the other books of the Bible probably more uh, including the Old Testament and then he texted something that kind of rattled loose some stuff I had learned earlier and I've probably said it before too but he, he just said, it's really, it's kind of repetitive. And I told Malia this, and Malia's like, I've been saying that <laughs> every week. You know, it's, it's the same thing. It's pretty much the same thing every week. And it's basically that song. You know, how wide, how deep, how great is the love of God for each of us. Um, and it rattled loose something I've said before, but Carl Bart talks about the New Testament shouldn't be read. It should be listened to like a, like a musical piece. Um, and that falls in line with how John writes, especially. Because he's repeating things. You know, have, you, you know you, what's, a, what's a famous orchestra piece? That's kind of not my not my jam you know like ask me some zeppelin tunes and i'll give you that but there's some orcs you know like beethoven's sixth symphony i don't even know if there is a sixth symphony but there's probably somebody repeating something and every once in a while it goes you know uh and on easter sunday who's here on easter the week leading the week leading up to easter i i caught cornell practicing for 
he's going inside and he's going to play the organ. He's, he said, I'm going to open it all up and just play. And I, I walked into the sanctuary and he was, it looked like he was a little kid just at a toy that he knew really well. And he was going, bah, bah, bah. and that's this passage in John's epistles. This is the crescendo. This is when like, okay, release the kraken. Let's get the horns going. Let's get everybody going. Let's get the choir singing as loud as they can. But it's the same thing, but it's, it's layered. Is everybody following me? Let's open our Bibles up to 1 John chapter 4, and I'm going to start in verse 7. Beloved, beloved, loved ones, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, loved ones, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and by his perfect and by his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he is in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we have boldness on the day of judgment, because he is, so are we in this world, because as he is, so, we, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or a sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I added a knot. Did everybody else catch that? I added a knot right there in verse 20. Anyway, little things that annoy me. We got a sparse amount of time, but we're headed towards this table. And I got seven pages of notes. Has anybody met me? What does that mean? That doesn't even, I don't even know what that means. I'm holding something that is confounding. It's, there's too much right here for me to cover on the way to this. But in a certain way, thank God, it's repetitive and it's driving. We love because God loved us first. It says in this passage, love, the word love, is used 27 times in these 15 verses. 
There's no confusion on what this passage is about, right? Everybody here is clear as the day. Sorry, I'm not supposed to go on this. I might get electrocuted or something. No, it's just going to be feedback. It'll ee, right? Is that right, Philip? He's very calm, cool, and collected. I like that guy. Okay, God is the source of all love, verses 7 and 8. Here's a quote. Claiming in, oh yeah, okay. God is the source of all love. It says that numerous times in this passage. God picks you. And like Amy was praying in the prayer of confession, or right after the words that she said right after the prayers of confession, and before, she quotes from Paul. She's talking about it's not anything we've done. In fact, the stuff we've done kind of it marks in the wrong direction. Because we're, we got all kinds of problems. It's regardless of what was happening yesterday. It was regardless, it's right now. God is saying through this text, he loves you. What's the sign that he loves you? There's two of them mentioned in here. First one is, the atoning sacrifice, right? So God is the source of all love. We love because God loved us first. And then verses 9 and 10, the model of love. How does God show he loves us, right? What does he say about love in how he loves us? It's an action. It's relentless. It's tireless. He can run faster than you on your fastest day. He can run faster than planes. There was a guy, uh, what was his name? I think it was Tozer. Tozer said, you know what? I'm going to outlove God. I'm going to wake up at three tomorrow and say, I love you. He woke up at three and he said, God beat me to it. I woke up at midnight. God beat me to it again. He always says, I love you first. You can't beat him. How does he show that love? It's active. He, he shows it actively and specifically in his one and only son. His one and only son. Wrap your mind around that for a second. God's one and only son. He gave for you even when you were walking away from him. That's the... That's the, the hugest statement of, I love you. His model of love is the active and redeeming character of love. Have you noticed that I, it, it, there's a couple cool things that are happening in Disney films? <laughs> and one of them is, it's not always about Prince Charming saving the, the woman in distress, right? It was a skewed version of love. They started making movies about love between brothers and sisters. And sisters and sisters. Isn't that what Frozen's about? I can't make it through that whole thing. It's too much singing. <laughs> but isn't that what that movie is about? Isn't it? It's the love between two sisters. There's movies about that. And they've started... They've started to reveal what love really looks like in that, right? There's always a, a salvific or redeeming nature to it. Any Tom Petty fans? Probably the greatest love song, in my opinion, ever written is Angel Number no. 5 by Tom Petty. I saw you. You were my thing. I forget what he says right there, but <laughs> for the lifeline as I flow through space, I found an angel. I found my place, my home. I can only thank God it was not too late. He, he meets this woman and that woman saves his life. Not by just like external it's saving his soul like there's a salvific nature to it. I think that gets at the heart of what John is talking about, with the kind of love that, that God displayed with Jesus on the cross. There's a salvific nature to it. 
why is that important? Why is that important? Right? What's that next section? And then he just goes on repeat. But what's that next section? Hold on. I'll go to page three. The command to love. Why is it important that God loved us and it had this salvific nature to it? Why? We were loved in this way. How ought we to love? Right? Other places, the Bible says, yeah, everybody loves people who are nice to them and do the, does like similar things to you as, as you, right? Everybody likes that. That's easy. Think about how God loved you and how you were acting when God loved you. That's how I want you to love. That's the, that's the call of this passage. That's the call of Jesus. Because you remember, John's Jesus' best friend. Jesus had two best friends, Peter and John. And at this point, John's an older dude. He's probably got a crazy awesome beard. And he's got wisdom like Mark Lackey and Dick Clark up here. And he's just this Hebrew among Hebrews. I know Paul says that, but John was right there. And he's passionate and he's poetic. And he's doing these things. And this is like a crescendo of his text. But he's saying, love Love ought to come out of you. Awesome quote by a guy named F.F. Bruce. He says, not the ought of external compulsion. You know what that means? But like, Terry, you know, and I get this external compulsion ought a lot around my house. I don't know if you've met my wife, but she'll say, you ought to take out the trash. You know what I mean? And there's a wink in there, you know. If, if, you know, you want things to continue smoothly. You ought to, you know, and fill in the blank. You know, you don't want to see an angry wife. You ought to. That's external compulsion. That's not the ought of this text. The ought of this text is internal constraint. We, sh- we shouldn't help but love People, the way we've been loved when you realize how you've been loved. We need to sing how deep, how far, how wide until we get the truth inside these bones, inside this soul. That this love was so uncontainable, it spilled out onto God's creation. And he looked us each in the eye and he says, no, no, I don't just like you. I don't just put you up and put up with you. I adore you. I'm crazy about you. I want to save you from this place. I want to save you from yourself. I love you. I adore you. That's the reason he says it 27 times. He's saying from all these different angles, and he's doing it from all these different pitches, and he's doing it like an orchestra saying, let the kraken loose. God absolutely adores you. And as that flows in, you ought to see stuff. You ought to see less grumpiness. You ought to see more hugs, although we're getting to that time. Jim Clark, I, I hear you, buddy. I hear you. He wants to hug some people. Just be ready for when it's legal again. But we ought to. And I tell you, we're still not very good at it. We're still not very good at it. I'm putting out fires and I'm putting out all these little fights between people that are on leadership and in, con- in this congregation. And I'm like, myself even too. What, what is this? What is this? This isn't what this text is talking about. If we don't see the fruit of people adoring each other and we see each other at each other's throats all the time, maybe we're hearing this as an alt of compulsion. Ought to, alt, an ought of compulsion. External. 
John is inviting us to this love that's found at this table that's not unlike any other love. It doesn't ask questions. It doesn't judge. It doesn't make this passive-aggressive or snarky remark. It comes up to you and it says, I absolutely adore you. Deal with it. And as you deal with it, and as it starts to sink into your bones, love like this table. In the later passage, when he repeats it the next time, He actually draws this triangle. And he says, God's a part of the triangle. You're a part of the triangle. And your brother and sister is a a part of the triangle. And then he says, and you know what holds it all, this triangle together? Is the Holy Spirit. God breathed spirit holds this triangle together. And it's all about love. John Stott says, if you claim to know God and do not love your brother or sister, it's like claiming to know somebody from a different culture while claiming, while not knowing their native tongue. It's just impossible. Love of God and love of neighbor, brother and sister are intertwined, are sealed together the same way the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are sealed together. And what happens when Terry says, hey, Jason, I love you as is. I don't, I don't put anything on you, and I do the same thing. Scotty, I love you as is. We both love the God who brought us together. You start loving God more. I start loving God more. We start to become one. And John says, this place, this culture, this little outpost of the kingdom of God, we all got Jesus on the throne, amen? We all love each other, Amen? Yes. <laughs> this becomes a picture of perfection. This begins, this, this becomes a, like a two-dimensional representation of what life is really about. Kingdom of God on earth, even while other kingdoms are competing. I'll be here six more years if I don't get to the end of this thing. Here we go. And then he he ends it with, um, actually, he almost ends it with, like before he ends it, he just says, if we got this picture, okay, we're all in love with God. We're all in love with each other. Yin, yin, me and you, buddy. Right here, God's bringing us together. We're all, this is a picture of perfection on earth so that the world can see man those guys love like crazy and they have nothing to do with it like look at this guy why would this guy and that guy be hanging out on a Sunday God right you too you probably were offended by that guy doesn't know any choir music what kind of a pastor doesn't know any choir music you know we don't you know we don't listen to the same kind of music we serve the same God and we love each other regardless. So we, drive, we get a picture like this. What don't we have to fear? Anything. There's nothing to fear if we're in this zone. People can't walk in and judge us because God has bringing us together. We have no fear of the afterworld or afterlife, Right? Because our security is right here. It's you go, we go. And then the text ends with our one application. We love 
because God loved us first. I want to read this and then I want to pray and call for the offering. This is a quote by Marianne May Thompson. And she says this, God does not give us some power or ability apart from his own presence that motivates us to love. God loves us. And it is the very love of God that empowers us to love. The gift cannot be separated from the giver. For love is enabling power. And those who have known themselves loved by God are empowered to love. Love is a life-giving force, an invigorating gift that flows from God into human beings with vitality and energy. And she goes on to explain, like, she, she does the, the connection between the Sistine Chapel, you know, that painting where God is touching Adam, and the church. Us. And notice that it brings with it a vitality and an energy of love. I've never been there. Who's been to the Sistine Chapel? I'm jealous. I'm immediately jealous. Or Linda, you got to tell me about it sometime. Or paint it. Or play it on a violin for me. Oh, we got a hand back there. Awesome. I, I hear it. I, a lot of people have been there. What she says is you can't help but feel the electricity flowing from God to Adam. And in this text, as John is bringing this, this theme of love because you were loved at first by God, you can hear in his poetic language God's Holy Spirit and electric power of life flowing into the love of each other and flowing into the love of God. Amen and amen. We're going to move to the table later and so there will be a little more application there. But um, right now in the service, we get, a part, we get to be a part of the adventure around this place. And it's through giving and through our tithes and our offerings. If you're at home, uh, please mail your tithes and offerings to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, P.O. Box 2128. Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And all the, I, I slowed it way down because Mark was giving me trouble because the last couple of times I've said, P.O. Box, anyway, as we continue in worship, join in on the adventure. And those of us that are here, um, leave your tithes and offerings in the offering plates at one of the stations on your way out. This morning's tithes and offerings are now received. It was a Sunday night in 1985, and it was an evening service at a church in Ohio uh, when uh, the pastor came up to organist and uh, gospel songs composer Jeffrey LaValle and told him, can you do something about Revelation 19, verse 1? <laughs> um, spontaneously, the organist, Jeff LaValle, went on to do something about it. He just started singing. Luckily, the service was recorded, unusually, actually, he said. And uh, several weeks after that evening, he checked the recording. He wrote down the melody that he spontaneously produced. And here was Revelation 19, verse 1. That took off big uh, after that. Thirteen years uh, later, um, composer and arranger Jack Schrader set out to do a uh, choral version of it. And uh, us, PCC, uh, with some help of other friends, uh, sang this um, now anthem, the way you're going to hear it being presented right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, we had to piece in so I could slow down. That's what I was telling Malia. That's why we're doing this, right? On the way here, Malia's like, we haven't done communion in a long time. And I said, no, we did communion on Monday, Thursday. The actual day that Jesus instituted and start this this whole table thing and changed the Passover. And it kind of, that's the reason we're doing 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Is because a couple years ago, uh, N.T. Wright came out with a book called The Day the Revolution Began and asked a question. If individual atonement for sin is the primary reason Jesus went to the cross, was crucified, dead, and buried, and on the third day rose again. Why didn't he do that on the Day of Atonement? Why did he do it on Passover? And N.T. Wright takes that question and challenges the church with it and says, since the Reformation, since we had to defend individual atonement, in the Reformed Church, we've kind of missed a, a big lesson. Not saying that it, atoning and forgiving our sins is a true thing that happened on the cross. But there's a lot that happened on the cross. And I think he did it on Passover as a second exodus. Because Passover is about the releasing, right? Of the Hebrew nation from the slavery of Egypt. You remember the Prince of Egypt movie? Everybody seen that? Right? And he sent in the angels and the angel of death passed over the families that had the blood on the doorpost and that were eating bread that was unleavened. Symbolizing they had to get out of town so fast they, they couldn't wait for the bread to rise. Right? Immediacy urgency Jesus comes to the table and as part of it he says this is a second exodus and it's no longer just the Hebrew people the chosen people of God it's anybody it's anyone it's anyone who recognizes they need a, they have a need to be freed from this world to be freed from themselves and the sin that entangles them. From the, free from the powers of this world. It's a second exodus. We become kingdom of God people rather than kingdom of this world people. Jesus is put on the throne of our lives on this table. We become his servants. And we love as we have been loved at this table. I was using that crescendo illustration before and it happens even more right here. This is where God meets us once again. Does a deep cleaning of our souls and equips us and reminds us that we are not our own. We were bought at a price. And we are no longer slaves to this world or anything around us. But we are slaves to Jesus and Jesus alone. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit, I pray that you would raise us up as second Exodus people. And as we partake of these signs and symbols of your broken body and your blood. Equip us to live as second Exodus people with you as king and king alone on the thrones of our lives and let us love as we have been loved by you with abandon. And all God's people said, on the night that Christ was betrayed, He was celebrating that Exodus meal and he said, I'm making a new covenant. This covenant is between me and 
my second Exodus kingdom of God people. He said, this is no longer the, the bread that was, we were waiting. You know, we had to get out of town so fast we couldn't wait for it to rise. This is now symbolizes my body broken for you. If you got these little pouch thing in my bobbies, the pods, this is where you peel back and get to the wafer. This is Christ's body broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ until he comes again in victory. This is the blood of Christ. Take and drink. Pray with me. Living Christ, as you open the scriptures to us, you make yourself known in the breaking of the bread. Let us now go forth from this place, fed at your table and filled by the Spirit, to walk with you all the days of our lives and proclaim the glory of your resurrection to all the world. Amen. And now please stand with me for this morning's benediction. May God's face shine upon you. May the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit guard and keep you. And may the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, guard your heart and your mind today, tomorrow, and forevermore. May it be so. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory for heaven. Oh.